0: This episode of Answers is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. You have an investing style. TD Ameritrade has a mobile app to match it. Check out TD Ameritrade Mobile and Think or Swim Mobile to find the one that's right for you. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Alison Southwick, joined as always by Robert the Great Brocamp. Joining us wow. this week, is, hi, hi, bro. Joining us this week is Chelsea Brennan. She's founder of the blog Smart Money Mamas, and bro is going to give us some highlights from the Berkshire Hathaway meeting. All that and more on this week's episode of Molly Full Answers. So, bro, what's up?
1: Well, Allison, we often begin by talking about what happened in the previous week, but since we just closed out April. Let's review what happened over the entire month. And sweet Cheez-Its, what a month it was. (laughs) Truly (laughs) one for the record books, both for good and for ill. So each week, we all know, we learned of millions more Americans filing for unemployment benefits. Total tally now, surpassing $30 and that is most definitely an understatement given the difficulty many people have had with filing for benefits. On April 15th, the Federal Reserve announced that US manufacturing output contracted in March by the most in any month since 1947. And on April 29th, we learned that first quarter GDP experienced its biggest decline since 2008 and the biggest drop in services and consumer spending on record. And most certainly, second quarter GDP will be much worse. But you wouldn't know all that looking at the stock market. The S&P 500 returned 12.8% in April its best monthly return since 1987 and the third best month for U.S. large-cap stocks since World War II. So for the year, which includes last Friday, May 1st, which was a slightly down day, the S&P 500 is down 12%. Since 1950, there have only been 11 times when the S&P 500 returned more than 10% in a single month, according to Ryan Dietrich of LPL Financial. What happened over the subsequent 12 months Dietrich found that the index was higher in nine of those 11 times. So that's encouraging for the next year. Smaller stocks did even better in April, returning more than 14%. Um, In fact, starting on April 22nd, the Russell 2000 index of small cap stocks went on a six day streak of returning more than 1% in a single day. And that has happened just in one other time in the index's history. Happened back in January of 2000, according to the Bespoke Investment Group. That said, despite an excellent April, small cap stocks are still down more than 20% for the year, as are international stocks. So that's what happened in April. May kicked off with one of the biggest events of the investment calendar, the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting.
0: Hooray! Uh,
1: hooray! Yeah! But, it, <laughs> but instead of 40,000 people flocking to Omaha, Warren Buffett sat at a table in a near empty auditorium. I don't know, did either of you watch it at all? It was kind of this surreal experience.
0: No, I mean, I saw like two seconds of it. I haven't gotten around to it, but it is, it always, it just still blows my mind that 40,000 people go to Omaha just to maybe get a chance to see Warren Buffett.
1: That's crazy. And it's crazy that he can sit up there for that long and answer question after question after question. Now, usually he's also joined by Charlie Munger this year. He was not. Instead, he was joined by Greg Abel, who is the vice chairman in charge of all operations instead of insurance. But it still went on for more than four hours. Wow. Um, The first more than an hour was a presentation that he gave. So I listened to the entire meeting. Um, In past episodes, I've said that sort of my personal investing philosophy is be a short term pessimist and a long term optimist. And that sort of seems to me like was the message of the whole meeting. So on the pessimistic side, they're clearly not doing anything. You know, they've still kept most of their 130 billion in cash. He did not use the downturn as an opportunity to go on a buying spree. He essentially he he likened previous downturns to a train that is slowing down. This time he said, We took the economic train off the tracks, and I don't know of any historical parallel. And the range of possibilities on the economic side are still extraordinarily wide. In other words, they're still kind of sitting pat on what they're going to do. Um, He also said, quote, we have not done anything because we don't see anything that attractive to do. Uh, He also actually spent a good deal of time talking about some of the past challenges and failings in America's history. So, for example, he pointed out that despite the fact that we have a Declaration of Independence that claims that all men are created equal. When you look at the 3.9 million people living in the original 13 states in 1790, 15% were slaves. Pointed out that during the Civil War, 6% of the male population between the ages of 18 and 60 died. So the 2020 equivalent of that would be 4 million deaths, according to Warren Buffett. And then it took 131 years for women to have the right to vote and another 61 years until a woman was appointed to the Supreme Court. So he often talks about the long-term success of America, but he did spend a good bit of time talking about some of the things that we have not done so well. He spent a particular amount of time on going over the Great Depression, I think partially because he was born in the middle of the Great Depression. So he pointed out in September 1929, the Dow was at 381. The S&P 500 didn't exist back then, so he's just using the Dow. And then in a little more than two months, it was down 49% to 198 you move ahead to to August 29th, 1930, which is the day before he was born, it was backed up to 240. So it had rebounded 20%. People were feeling like, okay, stocks went down, but they're, they've gone back up. Back then, people weren't thinking that they were on the verge of the Great Depression. You go ahead less than two years to July of 32, the Dow is down to 41. So from the peak, it went from 381 to 41, a decline of 89%. And the Dow did not get back to its 1929 peak until 1954. Wow. He did point out that people got dividends. And back then, dividends were higher. But still, on a price percentage, the market was down for more than 20 years. So Buffett called the Great Depression a testing period that caused some people that lose faith in America. I don't know if he was pointing it out to say like times ahead could be tougher than we think or just pointing out that America has seen worse times. But regardless, he says that anyone's going to lose faith in America, that's a big mistake, which brings us to his persistent message of being a long-term optimist. He pointed out that despite all these challenges from 1789 until today, the wealth of the the United States has grown 5,000%, and that's adjusted for inflation. And he also pointed out that since the year he graduated from college in 1949, at the age of 19, $1 in the Dow has grown to $100. So how should people benefit from what he calls the American miracle? Well, as he often does, and I think it's always interesting that he does this during the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting because it's an annual meeting of people who own individual stocks. He thinks the vast majority of people should just buy an S&P 500 index fund. And he mentioned that's what he does. That's what he has directed in his will when he passes away, assuming he predeceases his wife, 90% of that wealth will go into an S&P 500 index fund. Uh, in fact, one questioner asked about Berkshire's underperformance as a stock. It's underperformed this year as well as the last decade. That's something I know personally because I've owned Berkshire for more than a decade. Uh, and he was basically said, I, I agree that that's an issue. He said that, the truth is that I recommend an S&P 500 index fund to, to most people and I happen to believe that Berkshire is about as solid as any single investment can be in terms of earning reasonable returns over time. But I would not want to bet my life on whether we beat the S&P 500 over the next 10 years. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, as always with Buffett, it comes down to betting America for the long term. But it's clear he means the long term to be like very long term. He had mentioned the time frame 20 to 30 years a couple of times. The only truly positive thing he said about a shorter time frame, at least that I can remember, uh, was in response to a question about whether Berkshire expects significant, significant layoffs among its workforce, which at this point it employs almost 400,000 people. In response, he said that some businesses will have to make adjustments. You know, cease candies closed down. Nebraska Furniture Mart. Some of their factories may have issues. Um, it's always but,
0: the funniest list of companies. I'm sorry. Oh, it's, it's like it's Dairy crazy. Queen. It's, cool. it's like what? What? Energy. Brooks it's Jews.
1: manufacturing. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's everything.
0: It's it's um, all. The, but it's all these lists of companies that you like. Yeah, I think I've I think I've heard of them or haven't at all.
1: Right. Yeah, it's quite amazing. Yeah. Uh, but well, while he expects that some there will be have to be some layoffs, he doesn't expect them to be significant, and that five years from now he expects Berkshire will be employing considerably more people. So that to me says he expects five years from now things will fully recover, uh, and I think that's a reasonable time frame. I certainly expect that in five years, this time period will feel like somewhat of a distant memory. I certainly hope so, uh, but it's certainly possible that over the next year or two things could turn out to be pretty rocky. And that, Allison, is what's up.
0: This episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. You know that feeling when you actually wake up early to hit the gym? Get the same sense of satisfaction when you roll over your old 401k with TD Ameritrade. Their team of rollover specialists help handle the hassle they'll even call your old provider get up to $600 when you roll over your old 401k into an IRA. Visit tdameritrade.com rollover to learn about retirement plan alternatives and offer conditions and restrictions. Mother's Day is just around the corner and we're so excited to be joined today by Chelsea Brennan she's the founder of smart money mamas and she's going to talk about how moms or anyone really can change how they think about money and turn it into an act of self-care Chelsea
2: thanks for joining us Allison thanks so much for having me I'm excited to be here
0: well we're excited to have you um, and I'd love to hear more though about you uh, and your journey because you actually got your start on Wall Street before founding your blog smart money mamas right
2: I did. So right out of college, I started as an equity analyst on Wall Street, actually focusing on metals and mining companies of all random things. Uh, and then after a few years there, I transitioned to a hedge fund where I was for several years, ended up taking out over my own portfolio. But this was always a first act career for me. I knew I wouldn't want to do it forever. I wanted work with more purpose. So right before my second child was born, I left uh, to start Smart Money Mamas and really connect more with you know the teaching that I love to do and helping parents feel more confident with their money because I feel like money is such a huge stress item for so many people.
0: Yeah. We know uh, the stats. We've talked about them before on the show, but you know what? Let's just talk about them again. We know that women tend to live longer than men, meaning that they need more money saved for retirement. And then there's the wage gap and the fact mm-hmm. that women tend to take time off to work from work to raise kids. And then all of this compounds, resulting in women being less prepared for retirement, having less savings. Um, According to a Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies uh, survey, the median household retirement savings for women is just 23,000 compared to 76,000 among men both could improve, <laughs> but uh, we can see that, that women are falling farther behind from men. Almost one third of women say they have saved less than 10000 for retirement or nothing at all. Don't our moms deserve better?
2: Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And that same Transamerica study talks about the fact that women think they need about half what men say they need for retirement. So they bring that number down. And whether that's to keep it realistic because they know they don't have the savings to begin with, or they're just not appreciating the cost, in the length of retirement and what it's going to take, this is a, this is a huge gap, and it's something that, especially with divorce rates and the fact that most women outlive their spouses, which has two, you know, ramifications: one, they need more money, and two, they need to know how to manage their investments because they're ultimately going to have to do it on their own.
0: Yeah. Now, your purpose statement at the top of your site says, "Mamas." Handling your money is a radical act of self-care. When I think of self-care, the first thing that comes to mind is Instagram hashtags for photos of (laughs) wine glasses and cake. And self-care is important, but it's almost lost its meaning and kind of become a joke to let stressed out moms indulge in binging Netflix or shopping or eating or drinking things we feel guilty about. Um, And I'm not judging because Netflix (laughs) and gin is very important in my life, especially right now. Um, But, Like, what do you mean when you're talking about money, handling your money as a radical act of self-care?
2: Okay. So most of our perspective on self-care these days, at least what's put in, you know, the media, Instagram posts you're talking about. They're band aids, right? They're to take, they're to feel better in the moment when we're not taking care of ourselves in general. And so when we talk about money as self care, we're saying if self care is really about reducing stress and anxiety, bringing more joy into your life, handling your money is going to take away one of the biggest items of stress on your list. It's going to let you afford more of the things that you want, more of those like Instagram self care things, right? You can go for a massage without stressing out that you're putting it on your credit card and how are you going to pay for it down the road. This is really about. Preparing for the future and long term self care.
0: You say it's not black and white dollars and cents. Um, So, aside from the fact that women make less than men and they live longer, which is already setting us back here, where do you see the real struggle when it comes to women managing their money?
2: I think the thing is that we think we can avoid the topic of money. We don't want to talk about it, it's stressful, and we think, okay, we'll just push it to the side. But the fact of the matter is, money touches every single area of our lives we can't make a big life decision without in some way making a financial decision it impacts where our kids go to school where they go to daycare where we live the jobs we take right money is inherent in everything that we do and so as much as we want to think about it as just math right if i could just figure out the math if i could just figure out how to budget it's more than that there's an emotion there that is it ties into our sense of security and our sense of safety and so it's, we have to look at it in a more holistic way in how money impacts our lives and our emotional relationship with money to be able to get where we want to go.
0: And where do you see that moms need the most help when it comes from understanding their money? Is it are, are most women just looking for help budgeting? Are they looking for help with that mindset shift? Where are you seeing the most
2: help needed? So I think the first thing is that mindset shift is where we see most often people need help but the first thing is understanding that there is a mindset problem right so exactly what we just said a few minutes ago of that we want to put the band-aid on it we want it to be dollars and cents I, you know people come to us and they say like well I just need to spend less on groceries And it's like, okay, you know that, and you've tried to cut your grocery budget six different times. What's holding you back? Why do you keep going over? Why is this not important enough for you to stick to it? And then we can connect them to like, okay, there's habits involved here. There's mindset involved here. You have moments in the past where food wasn't readily available, right? If your parents struggled when you were younger. And so you keep overbuying food because you just want to have more food in the cabinet, right? So we do the mindset thing first. And then the second thing that we really find that women need help with is, identifying and solidifying their goals and what they want their money to do for them. And like getting out of that rut of the day-to-day monotony of what's going on and patching the problems that are right in front of our faces and thinking about, okay, what do we want our retirements to look like? Where do we want to be in 10 years? And once we're clear on those things and we can set goals that excite us, it's a lot easier to think long-term. When you're just stuck in the moment, changing those habits is really, really hard.
0: Yeah, I have no idea what my goals are for 10 <laughs> years or or beyond. Um and it's not just like our current trying times here but uh I think it is so easy for moms because we are we have to be in the moment. We have to be cuz the kids pulling on us, asking for snacks. Love you Hannah, but you're always asking for snacks. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're jumping off of couches and trying to hurt themselves They're I mean, you, you have to be, um, you have to, there's so many moments actually pulling you in every different direction. I think that's becoming more equal across men and women. It's definitely improved, but I think for, for a lot of women, it's still not an equally shared burden.
2: Yeah. And we don't like generalizing across genders as much, but what we have found just from our readers is that, husbands seem to have an even harder time doing that dreaming and setting for the future, even if you can make time for it, right? Because – so much of their, you know, self-worth and their mental state is around providing. And when we feel like we have those conversations, women come and say like, hey, I have this big dream from 10 years from now. It's one more stress item, right? Even in cases where the woman is the breadwinner in the house, there's this stress and this tension around like, okay, how do we get even more money? How do we afford even more things? Um, so those conversations, we're big advocates of make it a moment of self-care, even in the traditional way, like decide that, okay, Friday nights, we're going to to put the kids to bed. We're going to light a couple candles. We're going to sit in the basement with our favorite drink, and we're going to have this conversation, right? And we're going to talk about the dreaming. We're going to talk about what went well this week, not just where we slipped back. Um, And as you build that habit of like, okay, this is actually a fun, relaxing conversation and not a we're bickering and arguing, um, then it all gets easier.
0: Yeah. You talk about the importance of learning beyond budgeting and the importance of growing your wealth. Women are traditionally seen as savers and not investors. Do you, do you s- see this as true?
2: Yeah, I think that dollars in the bank is a real comfort uh, for women. And whether that's not being um, educated ar- around investing in the first place or um, just knowing all the things that can up- come up in life, right? Like knowing that your kids are going to out- grow out of their clothes or mom's going to need some help coming down the road, there is more concern about having enough cash. So going back to
0: the Transamerica study, just 14% of women frequently discuss saving, investing and planning for retirement with friends and family and 32% report never talking about money, um, which is funny to me because women tend to connect, like to connect to each, with each other and learn from each other. Um, and so it's funny how I've like I think about the conversations that I've had with my girlfriends, so to speak. We've talked about everything everything, but we never talk (laughs) about money. Like we never talk about, um, what we're investing in or how we learned, um, about something or we, we refinanced or, you know, isn't that great and wonderful. Um, and so it is fascinating how the way that women tend to like to learn together by talking to each other. And yet we're not talking about money with each other at all. Why do you think, uh, we don't, why is that, why is that topic still taboo?
2: It is really funny there's some of those statistics that like women are far more comfortable talking about sex with their friends than they are talking Absolutely. about yeah. money. And so I think a lot of that is both a lack of self-confidence in the subject, right? We don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing and it's a sensitive subject. It's worrying about the pushback of someone not wanting to talk about it. And that when those conversations do happen, they're so often negative, right? It's like I'm stuck. I can't afford this thing or I had another money fight with my spouse or Whatever it is, it's, it's negative. And so we want to avoid the topic completely. What we've found in our community is that a lot of moms want to talk about money. They just don't have the outlet. And when you give them that safe space of like, hey, this is a bunch of women that we might not all have it figured out right now, but we are trying really hard. And you can come here and you can complain. We will get. We have thousands of women that want to come have those conversations really quickly.
0: And what are the kind of conversations that they're having together?
2: So a lot of the conversations are around the slipbacks in the journey, right? So once you set like, okay, we want to be debt-free or consumer debt-free in two years, or we want to save enough for our kids to go to college, and then dealing with the blips, right? The... Um, well, we thought we'd planned for the month and then we blew a tire or we needed some major maintenance on the house and now we're set backwards and I don't know how to keep going. Or you know, I had this big idea and this big goal and I've been reading all about budgeting and investing and I'm excited to get started. And I went and sat down with my spouse and he completely shut me down. <laughs> he was like, I don't want to talk about this. And so it's a lot of the struggles in getting that support. And then the other side, the flip side of that is the big wins, right? It's like, I just paid off $40,000 in debt. And if I say that to any of my friends, one, that's uncomfortable, right? Because it's a big amount of money. And we don't want to feel like we're shaming our friends that maybe aren't on this journey with us yet. So it's having a place to be able to come and be lifted up in the positive moments.
0: Mm -hmm. Since starting your site, what do you think has been the biggest change in your thinking when it comes to moms and money?
2: I think the biggest change in my thinking since we started talking about this topic is how we think about goals and dreaming and what we're willing to accept and what we want and that we find a lot of women don't want to say they want to be wealthy or they say, I want a million dollars so I can give to this charity, right? There's no, there's not that confidence in I want money because it makes me feel good and I can do fun things. And so embracing that, that that can limit us too, right? That we, we give more to charity before we're even on our own feet because we feel like we have to be helpers and servers and some of that is is upbringing and training right uh, So we train ch- more about that if you can thrive, that's the best example you can set for your kids right if they see a mom who has a career that she loves and she's succeeding and she's doing things that make her happy that gives them permission to go out and chase what they want. Uh, so that's our biggest thing is making sure we're always encouraging people to think big. Beyond, like,
0: budgeting and, um, you know, living within your means, making enough money, seeing your money grow, um, what about for people who just don't have a real love or interest in their money?
2: Like, is that – that's okay, right? That's okay. Okay. <laughs> But they have a love or interest some, in something. There's something they want in life, and likely it costs money. And so I don't care if you don't love crunching numbers in spreadsheets. It's not everybody's favorite thing to do. It's right. most of us. It's not. But there is something that you really want that you can get excited about and figure out how to handle your money to deal with.
1: Related to that, um, I, when people heard those stats from the, that survey, I suppose many of us thought of women in our lives that maybe might be in trouble, maybe don't have that interest in finance, maybe are behind in some way, maybe our our mothers, our sisters, our daughters, our friends. What would you say is a good way to help those people to, to sort of get them a little bit more interested and maybe give them a helping hand to get them on that road?
2: Yeah, so there's two strategies, both of which work, and this is going to depend on the women in your life and how well you know them. Um, some of it is uplifting, right? So there's a, there's an Instagram post we did uh, like six months ago that was like, you're the only one who can give your child a thriving, happy mom. And that sparked like completely viral of people being like, oh, I've never thought about it that way before. If I don't prioritize myself, what example am I setting? So taking it that way of like, hey, like I know you've talked about in the past that you really want to live on a lake someday. Like, have you ever thought about what it's going to take you to do that? And, and, And start from the positive perspective. The other way that we actually have a lot of moms come into our system is not understanding what happens if they don't plan. So when we say that women are 80% more likely to live in poverty and retirement than men, that sometimes shocks people into it. Um, we come at it often from an emergency planning perspective. Like, hey, if something happened to you, what would happen to your kids? Like, Do you have do you have guardianship set up? Um, do you have assets for them to pass on? And, and really get them into the planning. And once they've done the basic planning, then it's easier to transfer the next step because they've had to look at, they've had to take a close look at what's actually set aside in their accounts for retirement and things like that. Um, but those are the two strategies, and it really depends on someone's person.
1: I have to ask since so you worked on Wall Street and in, in a hedge fund, you worked in the belly of the beast. Uh, <laughs> what's your take on investing? And, and especially since you mentioned uh, working with, I think you said, mining companies, uh, did that make you an investor in gold? Do you think that's something people should be doing? How much of, of investing advice do you give?
2: So we do a lot of investing advice we stick very much to index fund investing and not stock picking. We've seen, you know, we've seen all the stats on how hard it is to successfully stock pick, right? And that most w- women and most moms are busy. We don't want to spend time you know, hours a week researching companies, making sure you're picking the right thing, rebalancing your portfolio. And so for us it's Let's take the path of re- least resistance. Let's keep fees low. Let's make it so that you can automate this as much as possible. And frankly, that's what I do in my own life too. Um, gold is a whole thing for me. <laughs> like It has no intrinsic value. So it's almost impossible to forecast the price of gold, right? There's, you're, you're really doing interest rate forecasts and, and foreign exchange forecasts. And it, like. It's so volatile, <laughs> so I don't. I, I don't invest in gold. I know that there's people that are high level investors that do, but we don't. We don't really talk about like precious metal investing with our audience at all. We stick very much of like let's get you started, <laughs> and let's make sure you're consistently investing. And if you want to do more than that, I have people I can point you to. So uh,
1: Chelsea, on your website, you actually have workbooks. You have a financial wellness bundle, so mm-hmm. it's very action oriented. Uh, I'm curious on. Um, on what's your take in terms of getting people to do those things. We've tried those things at The Motley Fool. Uh, it's sort of like going to the gym, right? People sign up, they think I'm going to finally get in shape, but then they don't often take advantage of it. So I'm curious your your experience so far in getting people to sit down and do the nitty gritty of taking care of their finances.
2: Yeah. So our biggest undertaking in, in the financial wellness bundle is our family emergency binder, which is really laying out everything someone would need to know if you were incapacitated or gone, right? And so we talk about the fact that a a will and a life insurance policy will handle some things, but they won't tell your spouse how to pay the cable bill. And so that's a huge undertaking. That is a long document. And we have people, um, when you buy it, it's broken down into chapters. And we tell people like, we're going to email you one a week to like sit down for an hour and do this thing. And for that, it's really more of an emotional pull of people being worried of, what if I don't have this? And there's actually an email in that sequence after we, after we sell it, that says, "Okay, it's really good that you bought this. But if someone in your, if you pass away and someone in your family finds it and it's blank, they're gonna lose their minds. <laughs> so you need to fill it out now that you bought it. So some of it's that, but everything else we keep it super bite size. So even our courses, our videos are ten, five to ten minutes. We break it down to small pieces and say, like, set aside ten minutes a day." and like set a time on your phone. And no matter how busy you are, you've got 10 minutes a day, right? Like you can say like, like, we're going to do it before you turn on Netflix after the kids go to bed. Um, So we just try to keep things small because if you do these big undertakings, we have the same experience that it's just too hard to fit in. I know two guys who went through the process of getting life insurance,
1: never finished it, didn't send in that signed application and they passed away one was in his 30s one was in his 40s leaving their families at a significant financial disadvantage so and and one of uh, the the widows in particular is is, is pretty bitter about it cuz it would have changed their whole trajectory if he had just sent in the paperwork
2: that's the hardest thing is that that's your last your family's last memory of you whatever you set up or didn't set up. And that can make it incredible. We have a neighbor that had the same experience, except it was their will. And so she was a single parent. She'd done her will. She just never had it executed. She passed away, had a two-year-old daughter, and it created so much chaos for them, right? Of like, who was going to get guardianship and going through all those court things. So definitely important to get it done.
0: Well, what do you do for self-care other than managing your money?
2: I do a few things for self-care. I make sure I wake up every morning and meditate and go for a long walk on my own or with the boys if they happen to wake up early. (laughs) I just throw them in the stroller with a blanket and I'll go for a walk. Uh, My other thing is I love to draw and doodle. So I make some time every evening, usually 10 to 15 minutes to do some kind of doodle and kind of shut my brain down before bedtime.
0: Bro, how about you? What do you do for self-care?
2: Walk, walk, walk. I am walking
1: one to two hours a day. Uh, I don't know how I could survive this pandemic without the walking. So I totally second the walking recommendation.
0: Yeah. Rick, how about you?
1: I don't have time for self-care. I'm caring for too many others right now. That's that's true, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Chelsea, I'm going to put you on the spot. And how about you close us with an inspiring message to all of our moms out there?
2: My message for all moms as we come into Mother's Day is that you have an incredible opportunity to create generational habits with money and all the stress you felt as you came into adulthood of figuring this all out and feeling like no one ever taught you, you don't, you get to do it over with your kids. You can show them the things you didn't learn. You can speak to them about money in more positive ways so they're not overcoming negative language. You have a ton of opportunity. And so, even if you feel like you're not the best with money, now's the time to start learning and even start learning with your kids and telling them, I don't know it right now but I'm going to figure it out. And it'll instill that growth mindset and really leave them in a place that when they enter adulthood, they're in a stronger place.
0: Awesome. The website is smartmoneymamas.com. Chelsea, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
0: All right. Before we go, how about a weekly recommendation for our listeners? I will go first. My recommendation is bird houses. This is getting this is getting weak. But it's true. <laughs> a okay. in your soul? Okay. So, several years ago, a couple of years ago, uh, my husband and my daughter, I said, "What do you want for Mother's Day?" Or maybe it was my it was Mother's Day, and I said, "I want a birdhouse." And so they got a birdhouse and they painted it. They gave did a lovely paint job, and it was a very special birdhouse that was only big enough for wrens. And it took years and years and years, but finally, Finally, right this second, there is a wren right outside my window building a nest in our birdhouse and I could not be more thrilled. <laughs> it is so great. The the birds keep getting little sticks and I think it's maybe it's the same bird. There are a couple, I don't know. And they're they keep trying to they keep flying with sticks and putting the sticks in the birdhouse and wow. I don't know. It's just really great. <laughs> I'm losing my mind, aren't
1: I? No, not at all, because Uh, A bird had built a bird nest in between a window and a window, like a storm window in our house. Mm -hmm. The birds hatched. The mom kept feeding it. The mom went away. All but one of the baby birds escaped, except one got trapped between the window and the the storm window. And it kept flapping wings, couldn't get out. So we're trying to figure out how can we lift up the window and get it into a pillowcase
0: <laughs> wait right this second is it like no, this struggling was, and flapping
1: this, no this was a day this was yesterday
0: because i was like what are you doing what are you doing right now go save no, the bird
1: no shut we up were... and
0: go save the bird bro
1: <laughs> well we we're trying to get open the window and get it without it flying into the house because then who knows yeah. what would happen okay, then you gotta, yeah. our brave daughter zoe put on a glove went in and actually grabbed it put it in the pillowcase brought it out and set it free <sighs> and it was it was like the highlight of the day Amazing. So I'm I'm pro-bird for sure.
0: I'm pro-bird too. Uh, yeah, so we, we think it's a house wren. Anyway, it's just a cute little brown bird. So birdhouses, check, check them out. Pretty cool. <laughs> All the kids are crazy about them these days. Bro, what's your recommendation?
1: All right, so several episodes ago, I said uh, that instead of just listening to whatever podcast shows up in your podcast timeline or whatever they call that, Search for something you want to learn about. Well, now my recommendation is search for someone you want to hear from. So, it could be a historical figure, celebrity, sports figure. I am a World War II buff, so I just searched on speeches by Winston Churchill. And sure enough, there are a whole podcasts devoted to great speeches and history. We are recording this on Star Wars Day, May the 4th. I looked up, can I find interviews with Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, they're all out there. So if you're just going to go for a walk, looking for a diver- take a long drive to the mountains, every Saturday morning, I take my two-hour drive into the mountains, choose a podcast, I think, all right, who would I like to hear from? Could be even a great investor. God, there's got to be many podcasts where Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger are giving their wisdom. So that's one way to find a podcast that you'll be interested in. Well, since everybody's uh, been practicing their ukuleles and now writing songs, it's probably time to write a song in a different language. So, get yourself the Duolingo app and learn a new language. You just do a little bit every day, and uh, before you know it, you'll be speaking au français. I guess. Yeah. Obviously, I did not use the app myself I've in order used, to learn I've how to it. do that. No,
0: I've used. I've used it. I use it to um, to do Spanish, and it's great. Like you do, you just do a little bit every day, and. Um, so they do like bits where it's like flashcards and you have to learn, but then they also do parts where you have to like speak it back into the phone so that your phone's like, okay, yeah, your pronunciation is okay. Or you got it. It's a great little, it's a great app. I really enjoyed it.
1: My kids are using it. My niece used it. and She's an adult, but she she used it to learn Spanish and now she's going to be tutoring my kids. That's,
0: that's great. great. No, it's okay. That's, I'll plus one, that recommendation of Duolingo. All right. Well guys, that's the show. It, it is edited monolingually by Rick Engdahl. Is that a word? Probably not. Sure. Uh, our email is answers at fool.com. For Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay Foolish, everyone.